Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of the Boiling Point podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. Uh, a long, long ways. So I, I'm glad you, this is a beautiful set. Okay, so, so Dave will come on and he'll seem like, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, just a very humble guy, and which he is. He's a wonderful guy. He's become a very good friend of mine. But I'm saying we've known each other close to 20 years, and uh, we first met. He was uh, the business editor of the Telegraph Journal. I think I got that right. So he handled the business section, and I was pitching doing a column called Leadership Unleashed, and uh, and I would go and interview leaders around the province because I was I kind of felt like the same. And this is when everyone read print, right? And this is like one of the oldest you know, independent papers in the country, I think at the time, Dave can tell us. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I, I got this like front page uh, column I could put in. Anyway, so I had to pitch it to him. And he was, uh, he wasn't an easy sell. Like it was like, uh, well, we'll see about that. And anyways, more on that later. But that's when we first met. And then we became good friends. And, and we, we continued to work together uh, for a number of years with, through the, with, at the Telegraph Journal. And then uh, we work together now. He's got this amazing company called the Stonehouse Agency. He does. And I mean, gosh, like talk about someone who it's like every time I talk to him, he is involved in something new and doing something different. And I'm like, where do you find the time of day to do everything that you do? And I think that like when I, when I, think of like having Dave on the podcast today. It's like, I want to know those little tiny details <laughs> of how you do it and, and how he is so brilliant at it. And I actually had feedback from a mutual friend and someone who does a lot of work from him the other day. And they pointed out, and this was like unprompted, but they pointed out that Dave is someone who, no matter how much he has on his plate, every time you are in his presence, you feel like you are the only person that matters and that he has his like 100% undivided attention on you. And um, yeah, so I was like, I need to relay that back to Dave because it's those feedbacks that I think that like, that they're so beautiful to hear. And it is so true. And for me, it's like, yeah, of course, like that is Dave Stonehouse. That is how I feel every single time I am speaking to him. So yeah, that was a really, really lovely thing to hear. Yeah, well, I'm sure. And he's sitting backstage listening to us right now probably um, feeling really embarrassed about how we're heaping praise on him. Um, we could also just do the entire podcast just talking about him and never actually bring him in. Here, I'll share one other quick story with you before we, before we bring him in. And that was that he and our good friend, Bruce McLeod, who passed away last year, sadly, um, and we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, we have a standing Friday morning meeting. And they would always go the same way. <laughs> it was just... It was like comical. And my, and my wife, Mary Ellen, would say, what? This isn't even a business meeting. You guys are so busy laughing and talking about, you know, and, you know, Bruce would always be late to the meeting and picking up the phone. And it was just it, real professional in, in, in both those men, but also like to have fun and, and have awesome sense of humor as well. Yeah. Okay. That actually surprises me that Bruce would have been late for those meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I feel like I'm throwing Bruce under the bus, but yeah. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, last Dave, let's ask Dave. He can tell the story. It's so, it was <laughs> so funny. And it, it was every Friday morning and all there'd be some, anyways, I mean, I, I'm the last one to talk about technology challenges because all the challenges I've had, or <laughs> Bruce would have, there'd be something wrong with his phone. He'd be struggling to get on the call. And, but Dave kept us going straight forward and, 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 you know, mapping out the path. Because otherwise, we'd just be having this really fun conversation of all these things we want to do. But 
you know, nothing would happen. So you need the, you need the, the person who's going to actually hold you accountable, um, have fun with you, you know, have a good conversation, but actually get some, some work done. So, so he was a man. He was definitely a man there. That, that surprises me so much about Bruce because, and many of the listeners have heard us speak about Bruce and they know Bruce. And especially when Bruce was my coach and we would do Zoom calls. And every time I logged on, and as you know, I'm like a few minutes early for everything. And I would log on to the call and Bruce would just be sitting there. And it looked like he was sitting there for 15 minutes, just like so present, so prepared to the point that I would think like, am I, am I late? Am I late? Well, and that's how he would show up for clients. Absolutely. Now with your, your business partner, you're not always the same, right? So uh, I like to think I'm pretty on time for the client, my clients, if not ahead of time. And then there's other things that, you know, you just, you're trying to squeeze a whole bunch of things in and you, you show up last minute. So, but yeah, no, no, certainly uh, he was famous. And maybe it was just the Friday morning slot that was challenging. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So let's bring in Dave Stonehouse. And what a treat to have Dave, the like communications and media expert that he is. Dave Stonehouse. Welcome to The Boiling Point. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Dave. I uh, was just busy blushing backstage for the last five minutes or so. <laughs> really kind, uh, exaggerated words you were saying about me there. No, nothing exaggerated. Nothing exaggerated. You, yeah, we, you know, you, you were hearing me, and as you've heard many times, talk about our first meeting. And, uh, and you were playing the stuffy old newspaper guy. You were like just kind of the grizzled vet who said, well, all right, I'll give you a chance, kid. But I don't know. I don't know if it'll work, you know. And <laughs> that's how I remember you. And I thought, geez, I got to really impress this guy. I got I to <laughs> step up. I got and then, uh And then, Emily, the column ran for a decade, I believe. Eh, Dave? Yes. Yeah. Very impressive. And, and I knew you were going to tell that story too, Dave. It. It comes up at key moments in our in our work together. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. And so we have to differentiate between the last names here because we've got uh, both Daves. And so Dave Stonehouse, what is your recollection of that initial Dave Vale pitching his Telegraph Journal idea to you? It was really interesting because. I do vividly remember that day as well, and I don't. I don't remember an awful lot of many things, but I do remember that meeting, and and I remember it because I had this impression of Dave, which is so contrary to how I know him now. That this guy, he he had moved from the West Coast, and he was dressed to the nines, and I was thinking, okay, here's this slickster from the West Coast trying to tell me how to run my newspaper. And, you know, he's got this idea that he thinks it's going to work, but I'm not so sure. And, uh, but we, we gave it a try and it was hugely successful. And I, I had the opportunity to get to know Dave a little bit then and, and, and much better since and, and terrific friend and colleague. And I, I really, really enjoyed that experience. For the sure. Slexter from the West. I love it. That's the first time I've heard that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want to see photos. I want to see photos. Well, I can show you some. Um, but I had, I, had a, I had a great hairline back then, too, so that probably helped the Slickster look. It's not quite the same. Uh, uh, in fact, the column was running long enough that I had I decided to shave my head, and people would say, Dave, you got to change a picture in the paper. You know what I mean? So, But uh, it, it actually it, it was a great way to meet people, and like you know, it was kind of pre, pre-podcast. And it was, uh, so you, you get to know people really well through the interview process. And, you know, I'd get, you know, often become friends with them after or they we do business together or whatever. So it was, it was just a, it was a, a real um, neat opportunity that was, that, that Dave gave me, uh, which I really appreciated. Well, it was terrific, you know, Dave, because I, you're right, I was skeptical because as a journalist, you often run into problems. Uh, or issues in talking to people, particularly in a place like New Brunswick, where folks tend to be more modest and and not want to grab the spotlight. And with my experience at the newspaper in New Brunswick, I interviewed quite a few business leaders and political leaders and all that sort of thing. And they 
They they're, they really have, you know, they're on guard. They don't know you or they know you by reputation. But the beauty of, of what you did through that column was that you brought your own background and sensibility and approach. And, and quite often people knew you or knew of you. And so there was a trust there. And I think as a result of that, people, you know, and, and you have a warmth about you as well. And people are really wanting to open up to you and trust that you're going to tell their story in the right way. And, and I think that's what made it so successful over a decade. Kind words. He, he doesn't usually keep it on like this, Emily. So I'll, I'll just take it. I'll just take it. That's very kind of you. But, but it was, uh, yeah, it was nice to have to prove yourself. And, and Emily, you would have been, uh, had you been living in New Brunswick at the time, would have been on the front page for sure. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Because I was just trying to, I was trying to just interview really interesting, cool people, similar to what we're doing here, right? So what's your first impression of Dave, uh, Emily? Because we, we've, the three of us have worked together and collaborated and stuff. So, yeah. so for listeners to know, I mean, we, we have, a, a, I think, a great friendship. And you have your own relationship with Dave. Um, what was your first impression in meeting him. Yeah. Well, and you know, when I first met Dave, which would have been a couple of years ago now, and knowing a little bit about Dave's background at that time of being an expert in journalism, in communications, in public relations, in all of these areas that I feel like I am not an expert in and, (laughs) and just kind of having such admiration for him. And in, like I spoke about initially before we kind of brought him on as to just how well spoken Dave is that immediately without even kind of knowing this, like I have always looked at Dave Stonehouse as a mentor and someone who I've been able to learn so much from. And in every conversation that I have with him, I am able to to just kind of like pull such value in so many different areas. And I really see him as someone who he is able to see potential in not just like businesses and and for leaders, but really for people and being able to draw out each individual person's potential, which I feel like he's done for me. So Dave Stonehouse, thank you for that. Well, well, thank you, Emily. That's very kind of you to say and and a little surprising too to me. I hadn't heard that before and, and I'm I'm glad, you know. One of the really positive benefits of launching my own business, the Stonehouse Agency, about five years ago now, is that I, it's really given me an opportunity to to work with folks like yourselves who share the same values as I do, who who want the same kind of outcomes, and as a result, you know, I've met. So many wonderful people who who have become clients and who I get to work with on a regular basis who really care about helping other people, who really care about having an impact on the community, who really care about telling stories that are important and positive and moving organizations and individuals forward. When I first envisioned creating this company, I did not know that it would come with such great benefits, which, and the biggest benefit is these relationships that I'm talking about. You know, I can see in that how clients are able to either move themselves forward or move their organizations forward through clear communication, through communication strategy, through understanding audiences and engagement and so on. It's been, it's been the best move I've, I've made in my lifetime, other than marrying my wife, Kara. Who mm-hmm. she is so phenomenal. She is wonderful. Yeah. Well, and with that, and before we kind of dive more into that, for the listeners who are not familiar with the Stonehouse Agency, can you explain a little bit about your company and what it is that you do and the services that you provide? Oh, perfect. Yes, I, I'd be happy to, Emily. So, let me, let me actually back up a little bit more because the Stonehouse Agency, I you know, the shorthand is a, a public relations consultancy, which is based in St. John, New Brunswick, where Dave and I live. And 
I'm not perfectly happy with the PR agency label because I think what we do is more and deeper and better in many ways. And let me explain what I mean by that. So typically a a PR agency would be brought in to help an organization develop a plan around publicizing something that they feel is important to them. A strategy would be built, tactics would be built, and they would be executed. In our case, we do some of that, and we we also help clients with media relations. Given the background that I have and some of my colleagues have in, in the media, but I think for us, what's most important for us is, is to be able to take the time to understand the organization that we're working with, to understand that the goals that they have, and to help them come up with strategies and tactics to achieve those goals so that they can meet with success. Really, again, I think the secret to our success has been those meaningful relationships that we work to build first so that we really understand what they're trying to do and we can design tactics and strategies that are most effective at at reaching those goals. And, you know, I'm really lucky too in that when I started this business, it was just me. And then as I built these relationships with clients that I really valued, I was having a hard time keeping up. So I, you know, over time, I've expanded on the team. I've, I have other writers, other strategists, people who work in writing, editing, in blogs, in social media, in strategy. And these are all people that, well, most of these people are, are professionals that I've worked with over my career in journalism. And I feel very fortunate to bring back these people that I trusted over that period of time and enjoyed working with and bringing them into the Stonehouse Agency to help help us, help our clients. It's really been terrific. Dave, you make a really good case for entrepreneurship. And I remember the conversations initially when you were considering it because, you know, your first kind of foray into entrepreneurship would have been when you started the Stonehouse Agency, I believe. Is that correct? Well, I had a little freelance business earlier in my career, but it wasn't, it certainly wasn't to the scale and it was a completely different animal. So I had a bit of a taste, but I, I had never actually launched a company and tried to market a company and, and gather clients in such a, as big a way, for sure. Well, and at, a, and at an interesting stage of your life too, where, you know, you want to provide for your family and, and it seemed to me that it was, and there is for everyone, there's a lot of nerves, right? When you go into it, but just. I'm just curious about, you know, where you are now and, and the way you describe it. I mean, it just seems like it was one of the best decisions you could have made, you know, in getting out of the, the, the kind of being employed world by, by, a, by, by an organization, like one organization, you know, like having that, that employee number um, into the world of entrepreneurship. It seems when you're describing it, I'm like, wow, it seems like the best move you ever made. Absolutely. It was, you know, I, I look back at it and wonder why I didn't start much earlier. But when I reflect back on my career and the jobs that I had before launching this company, they were all integral to where I'm at today and the experience that I can bring and the skills that I can bring, a strategy that I can bring. And and as I said, the team members who are now working with me, you know, so I have absolutely no regrets about being part of those those organizations that I was a part of before I started the Stonehouse Agency. I think what was really interesting to me, Dave and Emily, is that because I think a big part of my success today has to do with the fact that I launched this business in St. John in New Brunswick. And I think that this is something that's common here and perhaps on a wider scale to Atlantic Canada where where there's a really supportive infrastructure or ecosystem for entrepreneurship. You know, you were one of the first people I talked to about this, but I talked to quite a number of people before I made the big leap just to see, hey, you know, as I said, I had to support a family. I had been receiving, you know, good benefits and good pay in my previous job, and I was ready to give all this up, but geez, I still needed to support my family. And 
And so I spent a lot of time talking to people within the communications and public relations industry in St. John and Fredericton within New Brunswick and to see whether or not there was room for a guy like me in that space. You know, was there a niche that I could seize on that wasn't already being seized? Because there are plenty of marketing and communications and public relations companies in the province. What really encouraged me to move ahead is that these people that I was meeting with, really strictly speaking, competitors in the space, right? But they were so, so very encouraging. They were like, Dave, yes, you can do this. You know, this might be your niche, but there's plenty of room in the space. And in fact, one of the people that I was talking to who owned his own agency at the time He was so encouraging. You know, he met with me on a number of occasions and even invited me to work in his office space if I wanted to launch from there, which, you know, I'm not too sure. I could be wrong, but I'm not too sure that you get that kind of support and encouragement in a larger urban area in Canada or the United States. These are people that I knew as a result of working in journalism or earlier on in communications who were really interested in, in seeing me succeed. And that, I think, was really what convinced me to give it a try. And so with your, I mean, gosh, like you've had over 25 years in journalism. So that means you must have graduated Ryerson when you were 10, like the youngest graduate ever. <laughs> um, and, and then so, and yeah, going from journalism, I'm curious as to like, Journalism into communications, what kind of peaked that transition for you? I think really, and we've seen a lot of this even more accelerated over the last uh, 10 years since I've been out of journalism. But at the time, journalism was going through a big transformation, right? At the time I was leaving, we had been transformed the newsroom at the Telegraph Journal from a print-only organization to print and online. And, you know, we had moved in in a big way in those final years into an online news operation, which really meant a new way of working for everybody and meant turning the newsroom upside down to do those things. And at the time, you know, because the business model was being challenged, a lot of the young people in particular that I worked with the reporters and editors who come on to the newspaper, who who I moved up into mid-level leadership positions or gave gave some measure of responsibility to in helping with this transformation, they were under a lot of stress and strain at the time. And it felt to me like these young folks didn't see a positive future for them within the industry, and some of them left to go to communications or something else. And it really gave me pause to reflect. If these folks are getting out of the business, you know, am I in the right business? Is this the future for me for another 20 years? I really hated to see those young people get so discouraged and move out. And so that really started me thinking, okay, well, you know, I've had a terrific career in journalism. I've done a lot of things not really afraid of the business model changing, but is it headed in the right direction? And am I going to be happy working in another 10 or 20 years? And the answer I came to is no. You know, and I still have a huge regard for people who work in the news media. Maybe we'll have some time to talk about that later. But for me, it was like, okay, so if I'm not going to do journalism, which is all I really knew, what where can I take my skills next? And I think I had kind of a laser focus on a particular couple of organizations that I really wanted to work with in a communications capacity. And I worked very hard behind the scenes to to land a job at, at one of these organizations. And I spent two whole years trying to get into one particular organization and I, I failed at that. So that was a you know, they, they chose someone else in the end. So that was a big setback. But then I set my sights on another organization that I really had a high regard for and a leader at that organization. And that was the University of New Brunswick. And I really saw a lot, I felt a lot of excitement and potential in going to the university and helping them 
tell stories and share the impact that they're having, that they were and are having in innovation, in research, in building a brighter future for students. That's something that really excited me. And at the time, the president, uh, Eddie Campbell, was someone that I had huge regard for and wanted to work for. And so I ended up you know, applying to a job in communications and getting the opportunity to work directly for him at the university for a couple of years and then run media relations for the university for another couple of years. And that really was something that showed me the power of communications because the successes that I was able to share about the university with the wider world, it gave me a great sense of reward. And there's no doubt that that, you know, it was very helpful to the organization at times. So I felt very good about that. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Parlayed all these skills and these amazing things you do into work outside of you know, the Stonehouse Agency, and, you know, and you're, you have a, you know, a huge part of you is how you give back. I wonder if you talk a little bit about L'Arche, and, uh, and, you know, we've had people on, Rachel, in the past, and so we've, we've done, I think, a pretty good job of promoting L'Arche. You've been, and, and you've been mentioned in that, and I've been fascinated by kind of what L'Arche in, in New Brunswick has become uh, from what it was, and I'd love for you to just kind of Tell listeners about you know, why the passion for L'Arche and, and what you're doing there and, and what L'Arche is. Well, thanks, Dave. I'd, I'd love to talk about that. So, you know, another interesting story there in that I had never, to be honest, even though L'Arche is an international organization that builds inclusive communities and with people with, intellectual, with and without intellectual disabilities, even though it was international and even though it had been, there'd been a local large community in St. John for well, close to 20 years now, up until five years ago, when a friend convinced me to join the board of directors, I had never, I had no real awareness of what Larsh was and what it does. And it was only through this friend, Jim Kakachi, who I met through another organization called Toastmasters. He was chair of the board at the time, five or six years ago. And because of my friendship with him, he's like, oh, we have a new community leader coming in. Can you help me write the press release? And so I did that. And then that went fairly well. And he's like, "Mm, how about joining the board? And then that intrigued me too, because I'd spent my entire career in journalism without getting involved in community organizations because I was afraid that that would create a conflict for me. And, you know, I was very busy at doing journalism at that time. And so it would have been challenging to find the time. But now that I had my own company and was doing my own thing and could set, you know, had some flexibility in my schedule, I thought this would be a really interesting opportunity for me to get involved in the community and serve on the board of directors. And so I did that. And then I just kind of fell in love with the community. So 
both of you have been in, involved in various ways with Larsh, which I really appreciate. And I know Larsh really appreciates. So you have some understanding of, you know, when I first joined and was first helping them because of my association in some of the communications, I would describe the organization as serving people with intellectual disabilities and their families. But I, I came to discover that that description wasn't entirely correct, that it's much more than, than providing services. It's about building relationships. So the staff and the volunteers that, that work with LARSH really get to know the people that they're working with. So, for example, on the west side of St. John McKim House, five adults with intellectual disabilities live life with three assistants who are also tied to the house. And then there's 20, 25 people at any given time that are involved in the day, our program involved with LARSH and the staff there and the volunteers there. This isn't just a day job for them. They're, they're really investing and building relationships. So it really is about an inclusive community that includes folks with intellectual disabilities and without as well. And so not surprising, I'm sure, to either of you, that the reward, the, the rich reward in, in the relationships there really compelled me to stay involved. And eventually, Jim tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think it's time that I step down as chair and maybe you can take over. And I'm thankful that I did because that, that rich reward has just grown. It's just grown. Looking at these these positions sometimes as being in service of others, but that just how reciprocal those services are in kind of giving back to us as well in the reward that we do get from being a part of such incredible organizations. Really has. It's been, you know, again, it's one of those things that I've discovered as a result of going out on my own that that had I known how enriching something like this could have been to me, I would have gotten involved a lot earlier. And the same goes with my association with Toastmasters, which, you know, is about, you know, most people see Toastmasters, which is another international organization with local clubs, as something that helps you conquer your fear of public speaking. But my own experience has taught me that it teaches you to become a more effective communicator. Yes, it teaches you leadership skills that you probably don't already have. Yes, but at its core, what it really does is help build your self-confidence so that as a result of learning how to become someone who doesn't fear public speaking but embraces it, it really boosts your, your own self-confidence and your ability to deal with people even on a personal level. Right. I was someone I've been involved with Toastmasters for five years, and I was someone prior to that who, even in the leadership positions I had in journalism, I would do everything in my power to avoid holding large staff meetings because I didn't want to be the guy up front. You know, I didn't want to be the guy trying to tell people what they needed to know. I wanted to hide in the background or have one on one or two on one conversations with people. And again, you know, this transformation that has happened because of Toastmasters has shown me, you know, how much more powerful my leadership could have been and perhaps is today because I'm, I'm no longer afraid of, of public speaking. I'm no longer afraid of small talk in the elevator and all of those kinds of things. This is funny. Like I'm listening and I, I haven't heard Dave talk this much because he's usually in service to others, listening and, do you know what I mean? Like, and so I, I just kind of, it's great, you know, it's like, but usually, you know, well, I'm, because in a lot of our interactions, you're supporting, you know, so it's our communication division coaching. And, and I just a quick comment on that, and I'll pass it to you, Emily. Um, but, you know, Dave originally said, the Stonehouse Agency said, well, I'll do a project for you and we'll see how it goes. And, and I was thinking, I don't know if I got, we really, kind of need what he's off you know like i i could see the need i just wasn't sure if, if there was surprisingly now that i think about it anyhow then it got to the point where i'm like he's like i'm in trouble if dave fires me as a client right or fires vision coaching as a client i think it's turned into like <laughs> almost I'll say a little dependency which is uh but it didn't start that way you know he was just just said let me do a couple projects and then it just morphed into uh, like basically 
you know, a, a how much, and it's been what four years or five years now. It's just quite incredible. But so, so in, in our, even in our friendships, everything, Dave's a really good listener, and he's, he's, you know, so to hear you be as expressive is pretty awesome. And I can, I can tell that you've been at Toastmasters based on even just listening to you today. Well, and even with that, Dave Vale, what would you say? Because you are a a client of Stonehouse Agency. What would you say for you, some of the values that Dave has been able to to bring to you, to bring to Vision Coaching? Smartly, he hired someone, uh, Mark Legere, who's been on the podcast before, to do some work for him and basically, you know, answer this question. Like, what is what are those things that Stonehouse has seen Dave? And so I, I work directly with Dave. And it's it, there's so many things to describe, but he really protects your brand. Right. And like, he'll tell you if things are off brand, like he'll, you know, he'll be kind of that old newspaper guy will come over like quite often. Right. And like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea, Dave. I'm like, really? Like I thought, you know, like I'm like, I'm pitching ideas to him to write on behalf of and he'll shut them down because he's like, I don't think that's on brand or you won't even use that language necessarily, but just, I don't think that's a fit. And so he's very kind of, Dave, you're very protective of, of what we're presenting and how we're presenting it. And I really admire that. So it's like he, he owns it almost. And so as I was telling Mark Legere this and other things, Emily, I, I told a story about, and I got all emotional. And I was like, what? so emotional. Well, I guess I know why. But, and, and, and Mark, Mark got emotional too. But it was like when this actually goes back to Bruce McLeod. And when Bruce passed away, I was asked to do, uh, you know, one of the people that spoke at his funeral. And this is a kind of this is kind of friend Dave is, but it's also how he treats his clients, which is he he was going to cottage country in Ontario, and he made a point of driving I don't know what it was five additional hours after he had already driven eighteen hours to come support me at Emble well, to attend the funeral and support me speaking at the funeral, and like that's pretty amazing. Like how how many people do you get that from? So I think that's friendship, but that was you know, and that's also how he shows up. To, to business. So we had, a, I think Dave, we have a unique combination of both friendship and also knowing how to do work together, which is really fun. And it's a really amazing thing. That was a, that was an amazing experience for me because uh, he, I would say, Mr. So else, you were a little worried about me collapsing uh, and not making it through uh, my, my speech. And uh, that, what, what wonderful support as a friend and also as someone you work with. Yeah. And gosh, I mean, I feel so lucky to have and just fortunate to have the both of you because I feel that way from both of you in so many times um, of just being able to, yeah, professionally and on a friendship level, just having both of your supports. And, um, you know, Dave Stonehouse, you, you talk about the Toastmasters and you're the division director for Toastmasters International and have just had such a integral role and responsibility for the success of Toastmasters within New Brunswick and PEI and Newfoundland. What would you say are main reasons why people join Toastmasters to begin with? Thanks, Emily. I, I just want to back up there because I, well, there's a couple of things I can say about that. This, the, the division role that I have at Toastmasters, I, I've taken on for, for a year. And, and I, I've done that because I've really felt like I needed to pay the organization back for, you know, you pay membership dues and so on. But really what Toastmasters has done for me in the five years that I've been a member has been remarkable and I'm very grateful. And so I've stepped up for a year to become this division leader to help others achieve some of the, the milestones or successes that I've, I've seen I've been able to achieve through it. And But the, the real beauty of stepping up is that, you know, you're getting to meet so many other people elsewhere outside of the clubs in St. John that I'm familiar with. Last night, I traveled to Fredericton to be at an open house for one of the clubs there. And and it was really great to see the members that were there and have been there. But because it was an open house, so many other guests there and people who are very interested in how Toastmasters can help them become better public speakers, better presenters, 
that can help them be more comfortable in their own skin. And as somebody pointed out last night, the fear of public speaking is so great in some people that they fear public speaking more than they fear dying. You know, and I, I can relate to that. And so when you think about an organization, whether it's Toastmasters or something else that can help you conquer that fear, it's really powerful. And so in becoming a division director, one of the benefits has been meeting those people and helping them build their clubs and seeing people progress. But across those provinces, I've really been fortunate to have a really strong team of area directors who work much more closely with the clubs than than I do. And and that's a, a real reason why our division has been so successful, at least so far this year. And I think to circle back to your question, I think Toastmasters is really for anybody who wants to be able to become more confident in the way that they present themselves, who wants to become a more effective storyteller or communicator. And when you think about that, that's not just business leaders such as myself. That's people who have, you know, a big thing these days is to present PowerPoints or present during a, an online meeting. That's for all of those folks. But interestingly, in my own club, St. John Toastmasters, we tend to attract quite a number of newcomers to Canada who have settled in St. John and see Toastmasters as a way for them to become more comfortable in speaking a second language in English. You know, and you really have to admire those people. But the other members who decide they're going to commit to improving themselves in this way, and I think really Toastmasters could be a benefit to anybody because, you know, if you're more confident in your dealings with other people, you're going to be happier, you're going to be more successful. So it's not it's not just about doing a better job and presenting in your own job. It's not about getting up at the podium. It's just about being more confident and building communication skills that will help you in your personal and your professional life. I was just thinking, I know we're coming to the end of the interview. If you're comfortable, you know, you've had your own like journey in terms of overcoming adversity. And I wonder if you'd be comfortable speaking to it because it's pretty impressive your own backstory oh well thanks dave sure i'll I'll tackle that if it's of interest we can keep it in it'll be of interest it's just you're you're you know like i just want to make sure you're comfortable talking about yeah 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 so thanks dave you know anybody who's met me face to face or in person these days will see that i use mobility aids either a walker or a wheelchair to get around and that's fairly new development for me in the last few years as a result of some health issues that I've been dealing with. But, you know, throughout my life, I've, I've had a dis- disability called cerebral palsy, which is, which is really a mobility disability. It's, a, it's something that afflicted me at birth. But, you know, I've never really thought much of. Thanks to my parents, who were very adamant that I I live a life as, as much as anybody else. You know, they they fought for me in the 60s and 70s to be accepted into regular schools and regular school programs because it's unfathomable to think about today, but, you know, 50-some years ago, folks with mobility disability like cerebral palsy Typically, the solution that society had at the time was to take kids like me or adults like me and put them into institutions or special schools. And we all know how terrible that's worked out for a lot of folks. And so I'm very grateful to my parents for having the fortitude to fight to have me enrolled in regular schools and regular classes. And, you know, Dave, I've never really thought much about my disability over over the entirety of my lifetime. I think there might have been a few occasions in my life where I didn't get jobs and I suspected I didn't get those jobs because the potential employer 
feared what they might be getting into by hiring me, but I'm, I'm grateful for my journalism career because I think newspaper editors are very practical, right? If, if you know how to interview and you know how to write, which I knew how, I knew how to do those things and I immodestly, I can say I, I worked really hard at those things and worked hard to prove myself on both of those fronts. And I think newspaper editors who interviewed me or who saw my resume package were like, wow, you know, this guy knows how to write. He, these stories are really good. You know, we need him on our team. And so my disability was never a barrier, I, I don't think, in my newspaper career. And I'm fortunate as I, as I get older and more experienced and as society has changed, people don't automatically see the disability and read all sorts of restrictions or fears or assumptions into it. I think at my age, with the folks that, that I work with, they see, they see the, the things that I might be able to provide in, in working with me. And, and I'm very grateful for that because that hasn't all, always been the case. But I've, I've, never, I've never really allowed my disability to hold me back from trying to pursue my goals. You definitely haven't. And it's, yeah, I appreciate you, you speaking to it because it's, when people go through tough things, they can take a totally different approach to it. So I really, thank you for speaking to it, Dave. And uh, yeah, like, um, I've learned a lot about accessibility in terms of a we vote for beer. And I've, I've learned, like, through our experiences with, like, my gosh, there's so many places that aren't accessible, right? And that's just only through that experience. You'd never mention <laughs> to, about it. But uh, I've noticed, like, I kind of get frustrated with it on your, on your behalf or anyone's behalf, you know. And, but outside of that, you know, you, you're a bit, and, and you, you've overcome some things where we've worked together in terms of surgeries and stuff. And Emily, you'd never even know. Dave just got a, like, and it's like, you did what? He had what surgery? And he just, he's just, he's amazing. It's, it's incredible. Uh, very remarkable, Dave. So um, I'm inspired by it. Thanks, Dave. And that, you know, just quickly, uh, you know, because of my experience, I think I, and because of, you know, a lot of the work that comes to me nowadays, a lot of it is word of mouth, you know, clients who, who say to others, oh, you should, you know, maybe you should talk to Dave, he could help you. And, you know, the Stonehouse Agency does this and that. But as a result of that word of mouth, and because of my own personal experiences uh, of having a mo- mobility disability, you know, Dave, I, I want to quickly add there that one of the most rewarding things also that I has come about during my time at the Stonehouse Agency is that another client, and I know they wouldn't mind me mentioning them at all, but is Ability New Brunswick, which is an organization in New Brunswick that advocates for people with mobility disabilities. And early on, I got to know them because I thought with the progression of things that I'm facing on the mobility front that really I could use their help because I was frustrated. I wanted to work from uptown St. John, but the parking situation in uptown St. John, all sorts of barriers to someone like me and and others with mobility disabilities. So I I got involved personally with uh, Haley Flero the executive director there trying to advocate for some better accessibility in Uptown St. John. And then that eventually progressed into an opportunity to do writing for them on a regular basis. And there, you know, I have a huge amount of admiration for, for Haley and the, and the work that the organization does in promoting accessibility and more powerfully in, in, helping to advocate for people with mobility disabilities so they can live uh, a fuller life. Yeah. Dave, you're an amazing man. Oh, thank you. Emily. Both, both you Dave's, go. both Dave's, but as, but as referring to Dave Stone. I was, was going to take that and I thought that's, no, I agree with you. Yeah. And Dave, you know what? Like, I just, I love how honest 
You are. And I love how even you expressed to me how like even just coming on this podcast was a little out of your comfort zone. And I appreciate hearing that because you are someone who I certainly view as so well-spoken and someone who, I mean, obviously, yeah, you are an expert in public speaking, in communications, yet even coming on and speaking in this way you said is out of your comfort zone. So thank you for doing that and for just continuing to show your humanness to all of us. Thank you, Emily. It really was a delight to be on here with both of you and and sharing sharing some things that I you know as a as a closing on my part, you know, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to work with both of you and vision coaching and you know, this is part of what I see as the reward of having my own company is to some extent I've had the luxury of being able to choose my clients, you know, and I feel very fortunate to have the slate of clients that I do because typically I work with them for years and and it's really been a deeply rewarding experience for me to work with those, those organizations and the people within them, including you guys. Absolutely, yeah. you guys. Yeah. And so with that, you know, for Dave and I being your clients and you getting to choose your favorites, like, am I number one, Dave number two? Like, where do we go? (laughs) (laughs) We'll save that for the next time we have you on. We'll give you some time to think about it. (laughs) Thanks for coming, Dave. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for all the great work you do. Thanks for being you. Really good friend. And and as much as I want a lot of people to listen to this, I don't want everyone to know about the Stonehouse Agency because uh, that's, uh, I kind of, I kind of feel like, uh, well, hopefully being one of the OGs, uh, it will always have a, a place, you know, to, for us to, to continue to collaborate. But you do amazing work, man, and uh, keep, keep up the, the great work. And, and thanks for being such a good friend. Thank you, guys. It's really been a delight to be on here today. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.